You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Here at Cross and Crown, we believe that the Bible is God's word. That means when we read the Bible, we are hearing God speak to us. Today's Bible reading is from 1 John, chapter 4, verse 7, to chapter 5, verse 5. Please follow along in your Bibles, and the passage will also be up on the screen. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him, and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him, and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love from God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden, because Everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Um, Let's pray. Loving Father, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your word. 
Give us ears that will listen and receive your word. Transform our hearts that we might live in light of your word. Open our mouths that we might proclaim your word to others. We ask this for the glory of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. So let me begin by asking you a question. Do you love God, or are you afraid of Him? I'm not talking about the good sort of fear, as in reverence or respect. But are you afraid of God, or do you actually love Him? For so many people, we say that we love God, but the truth is, we're afraid of Him, aren't we? We're afraid that whenever we sin or disobey God, He'll find us out and He'll punish us. We live in fear and might even wonder, what if He disowns me and kicks me out of His kingdom? What if He strips away my salvation and takes away my eternal life? So let me ask, do you love God or are you afraid of Him? So far we've been preaching through 1 John, and the Apostle John's whole purpose in writing this letter is so that we might know that we have eternal life. And he anchors his letter in two key truths about who God is. God is light, and God is love. So if you want to know that you have eternal life, if you never want to be afraid of losing your salvation, the question for you is this. Are you living in light, and are you living in love? Three weeks ago, we saw what it means to live in light. To live in light is to live like Christ. Our obedience to God is the clearest evidence of our fellowship with God. In today's passage, we'll see what it means to live in love. Our fellowship with God is shown by loving like Christ. And I hope in today's passage, as we love one another, we can experience a great confidence and a deep assurance of our salvation. We're going to look at today's passage in three key parts. Part one, the source of love, the perfection of love, and the command to love. The source of love, the perfection of love, and the command to love. Firstly, let's look at the source of love. In verses 7 and 8, John begins by calling us to love one another. Why? Because God is love. Notice he doesn't say God gives love, or God expresses love, but God is love. God is the source of love because love sits at the very heart of who He is. And because God is love, as His children, we must be marked by that very same love towards one another. To some extent, we all bear our parents' likeness, don't we? Most of you will know my older brother, Josh, but some of you might not know that we have another brother called John. In fact, if you've seen what he looks like, you might be forgiven to think um, that he's adopted. Uh, However, if you know all three of us well, you know that we're all pretty direct and objective in how we speak. And that's probably because we we are born of my dad. We bear his likeness. So in the same way, if we're to bear God's likeness, then we must bear his love. But what is God's love? Let me ask, what's the greatest show of love you've ever seen? What's the greatest show of love you've ever seen? It might have been your dad working that extra shift to buy you the latest Game Boy when you were young. 
Or maybe that elderly husband who's pushing his wife on a wheelchair to enjoy the sunshine together. Or it could be a Ukrainian soldier giving up his life to protect his comrades and country. In all these examples, love is shown in sacrifice, isn't it? And here John wants to show us that the greatest love is shown in the greatest sacrifice. Just look at verse 9 with me. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. God's love is shown in sending his one and only son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And by his death, we can have eternal life in place of certain death. The greatest love is shown through the greatest sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest love is shown through the greatest sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what true love is, don't look to the world, look to Jesus. Because the world tells us that love is conditional. So we say things like, I will love you, but only if you make me feel love. But if that's the case, when someone stops making you feel love, you stop loving them, won't you? But verse 10 tells us, love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loves us. Unlike our love for each other, God's love for us is unconditional. It cannot be earned, and it cannot be deserved. God loves us despite anything we've done, or anything will ever do. But the world doesn't just tell us that love is conditional. It tells us that love is self-serving. I remember someone once said, if you don't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. But the gospel says, when we're at our worst, God gave us his best. God's love isn't just unconditional, it's sacrificial. He sends his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And when John calls Jesus our atoning sacrifice, he's saying that Jesus dies in our place to bear our judgment and to take away our sins. That's the greatest expression of love. That's the greatest sacrifice of all. And because God's love is unconditional and sacrificial, that means we can enjoy mercy, forgiveness, hope, and a future. God's love, true love, is shown in justice, mercy, and forgiveness. Do you realize that what, that, what this means? It means we can come before God with our failures, addictions, and brokenness. And we don't need to be afraid that God would judge or condemn us because Jesus bore our judgment and removed our guilt. Jesus is waiting there with open arms, ready to forgive us and ready to love us. If you're not a Christian, I hope you see that God is love. His love is unconditional and his love is sacrificial. He loves us so much that he gave us his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, bear our punishment, and remove our sins. And he did this all out of love, all so that we might share in his love forever. Brothers and sisters, if God's love is unconditional and sacrificial, then you and I must love each other with that kind of love. In verses 13 to 15, God loved us by sending his son to save us and his spirit to secure us. That's how we know that he loves us. 
If God is the source of love, we are experiencing its overflow through the love that we have for one another. Friends, in part one, we've seen that God is the source of love. And yet, how would you feel to hear that his love is somehow perfected in us? But that's what we find in verses 12 and 17. Look with me. Verse 12, if we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. In verse 17, in this, love is made complete with us. It almost sounds wrong, doesn't it? How can we perfect God's love? It almost sounds like we're saying God's love is incomplete. But think about the love between a husband and a wife. In many ways, it's perfect, and yet, their love cannot help but spill out to their children. And when the children love each other, it's as if they complete the love between their parents. True love always looks for someone else to love. In the same way, verses 16 and 17 tells us, when we love one another, we are bringing God's love to perfection. Perfected love is when God's love reaches its appointed goal. And that goal is to share himself, to include us in his love. Isn't that beautiful? True love is necessarily other person-centered, and so it spills out to find someone else to love. And the love of the Father for the Son cannot help but spill out to include us in it. We all want to have a relationship of perfect love, don't we? We chase relationships and friendships. We search far and wide to find out one person who will love us more than anything or anyone else. But we already have it. It's right here in Jesus. The gospel is the story of us being included within the fellowship of divine love. The gospel is the story of us being included within the fellowship of divine love. The perfect love between the Father and the Son can be more even perfect when it includes us in it forever. And because we're secure in that love, verse 17 says that we should be confident. Read with me. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. We don't have to be afraid of condemnation. And we don't have to be afraid of judgment because we're secured in the deepest fellowship of love with God. We can have confidence in the day of judgment because God's love is made complete with us. But we don't always feel confident before God, do we? Some of you might know I'm getting married in July, and honestly, I'm trying to maintain my weight for the wedding. But the truth is, I'm afraid that after we get married and when I get fat, Naomi won't love me anymore. <laughs> or maybe a bit more seriously, when I sin against her, she might change how she relates to me. She might distance herself from me, or she might even stop loving me. It's easy for me to fear and not be confident that I'll remain in her love. And doesn't that describe our relationship with God sometimes? We fear that when we sin and don't meet his expectations, he won't love us anymore, or he'll withdraw from his fellowship with us. But brothers and sisters, the love that we have not only gives us confidence, it banishes all fear. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, 
Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. God's love casts out fear because he casts out sin. Judgment is something we'll never experience as God's children because God keeps no records of our sins. John doesn't want us to be paralyzed by the fear of judgment. He wants us to enjoy the confidence of forgiveness before God. So are you afraid of God? I'm not asking if you fear God as you ought to, but are you scared of Him? Why? We have no reason to be afraid of God because perfect love drives out all fear. And that love should form the basis of our love for one another. If we've been loved by God like that, surely we'll love each other like that, won't we? Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Some people say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. But in verse 20, John says, if you don't love the church, it's all a lie. The evidence of your love for God is your love for one another. In fact, verse 20 asks, if we can't even love our brothers and sisters whom we can see, how can we love a God whom we can't? Our love for God is proven in our love for one another. So, are we a church that's marked by God's love for us in Christ? A church marked by unconditional and sacrificial love? When a brother or sister confesses their sin to you, how do you react? Do you react in awkwardness, condemnation, or disgust at their sin? Or do you withdraw and take a step back from your friendship? Or do you respond with the love of God in Jesus? Do you respond in such a way that gives them confidence that however deep their sin, Jesus' mercy is more? Too many of us are afraid to show our sins and weaknesses because we fear that we'll be judged. We fear that we won't be seen in the same light anymore. But what if? What if we're a church that truly loves one another in forgiveness and grace? And by our love for one another, we perfect the love of God. Friends, we've seen that God is the source of love, and we perfect His love when we love one another. And finally, God commands us to love one another. Isn't that a bit strange? Do you think that love can be commanded? We generally assume that love should be free and voluntary, don't we? And yet, when I was growing up, my mom would command me, hey, love your brother. I asked why, she said, because we all belong together. As brothers and as a family, we ought to love one another. Every one of our family should be marked by love, and so should this family in Christ. Just like my mom does for me, God commands us to love one another. Verse 21, look with me. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. You cannot love God without loving one another. How can you not love a brother who believes in the same Lord and has been born of the same father? We're bound together not only by faith, we're bound together by love. Let's be honest, many of us here won't naturally get along or even be friends if not for the fact that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. But we still love one another because our love isn't based on us. It's based on the God who first loved us in Jesus. 
God commands us to love one another because we're brothers and sisters bound together by the love of Christ. Now before this, we've been looking at how our love for one another is a proof of our love for God, our horizontal shaped our vertical. But in verses 2 to 3, John seems to invert it. Read it with me. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Our vertical proves our horizontal. Our love for God is the proof that we love one another. You know, as I look around church, I see how deeply many of you love each other. How much you love being together and caring for one another. It's great, and it's why I love being part of this church. When someone falls sick, you go out of your way to care for them. When someone doesn't have a right to church, you go out of their way, or out of your way, to drive them to church. And when someone is new to church, instead of catching up with your regular friends on a Sunday, so many of you care and welcome the newcomer. This is all great, but unless we love the Lord, our love for each other isn't real because God defines true love. If you don't love God, you cannot truly love one another. But if you do, you can love each other so powerfully. We cannot separate our love for God and one another. We can't do one if we're not doing the other. It comes as a package. And verses 2 to 3 tells us that our love for one another isn't just shown in our love for God. It's shown in our obedience to his commands. Obedience is the mark of love for God. The test of the genuineness of our love for God's children is whether you let his commands govern your love for them. We often think that God's commands are a burden, don't we? It's a burden to love the unlovable brother or sister, especially if they're a bit awkward and strange. It's a burden to forgive that person at church, especially if they sinned against you and really hurt you. It's a burden to sacrifice for that other person in your BLT small group who always takes and never gives. The command to love can just feel all too heavy sometimes, doesn't it? But in verse 4, John tells us that God's commands are not a burden because we have conquered the world. In Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we have conquered the world. And because we've conquered the world, we're free to obey God's commands and not our own selfish desires. We're free to live out our identity as God's children. We don't have to live under the world and its hate. We can live under God and his love. So now, there's greater joy in loving that unlovable brother or sister. There's greater joy in forgiving the believer who sinned against you and hurt you. And there's greater joy in sacrificing for that person who is no gift and all take. Because Jesus has conquered the world of lovelessness and hate. That's why he commands us to love one another. Because we're children of God, we're children of love, and we have conquered the world and its darkness. So, do you love God, or are you afraid of him? Are you afraid of his judgment and afraid of his wrath? Well, you don't need to be afraid anymore, for God is the source of love, and he's shown that love in the death of Jesus on our behalf. 
And that perfect love, that sacrificial and unconditional love, drives out all fear of condemnation and all fear of judgment. So when we're afraid of our sin, afraid of condemnation, and even afraid of God, may we remember that He is love. And He extends His love to us in infinite grace and mercy. And then out of that deep confidence, may we remain in His love by loving one another just as Christ has loved us. Let's love one another sacrificially and unconditionally. And may the gospel of Jesus give us confidence and joy as we do just that. Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you for sending your one and only Son, Jesus, to be atoning sacrifice for our sins. May your sacrificial and unconditional love compel us to love one another as you loved us. And when we do falter, may we have the confidence and joy to know that Jesus is waiting there with open arms, ready to forgive us and ready to love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.